Hello and welcome to Power Pros Podcast, episode 171. I'm your host, the Hoff, Chris Hoffman, and with me is my co-host and nemesis, Pete Mashad. Howdy, Hoffman. Howdy, Pete. We are back, of course, once again to talk about what's going on in the world of Nintendo, and that naturally means game impressions, a bunch of news, and then this week's big topic, which we are calling the Super Smash Bros. Final Four. Hmm. We'll be talking about the characters we want to see as remaining DLC in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Sweet. However, before we get to that, let's start off by talking about some recent game releases, starting with a personal favorite of mine that just landed on Switch, Final Fantasy XII The Zodiac Age. Oh yeah, I've actually wanted to pick this one up myself. How is it? Well, as I mentioned last week, this is one of my personal favorite Final Fantasy games. It has a deep, complex story full of surprises and betrayal and political intrigue, and it's got a very unique setup. Like, you know, first you're introduced to this one character, the new Prince of the Land, but then he gets killed off. (laughs) And then you get to be another character as your playable character, and then he gets killed off. (laughs) And I would say these are spoilers, except they happen like in the first couple minutes of the game, so they're not really spoilers. Anyway, then after that, you finally take control of Vaughn, who is sort of the game's protagonist, but then really he's not even really the main character. Like, the game is told from his perspective, but it's really Ash's story. She's the princess. Just the way it plays out, you know, is very unique and different and cool. right. It has some really great world design, some great character designs, and it holds up really visually well on Switch, even though this game is more than 10 years old and originated on PlayStation 2. Yeah, that's crazy. Also, I really like the battle system. I think it's very appealing once you figure out how to best use it and how to use the gambits and come to terms with it being quite different from past Final Fantasy games. And of course, being Final Fantasy, there are plenty of secrets and side quests and optional missions and lots of super strong bad guys to hunt down, rare monsters, extra summons to get, all kinds of good stuff. Now that's the one where when you battle, there's kind of like an arc coming off of you towards the enemy, right? Yes, in a lot of ways, it's more like a typical MMO battle system than a traditional Final Fantasy battle system. I mean, it is still sort of based on active time battle, but really you sort of walk up to the enemy and kind of auto-attack, and then you'll attack again when it's your turn. And it's really very Western-influenced and different from what we've come to expect from Final Fantasy prior to this game. Interesting. So far, I'm not terribly far into it, but it is mind-blowing playing a game like this on a portable system. You know, I never thought when this game came out all those years ago, you'd be able to play it on the go like I'm doing now. But yes, (laughs) yes, indeed you can. And I have spent a bit of time with it in handheld mode. And so far, it doesn't seem to lose anything. It's just as good on handheld as it is on the TV from what I've experienced so far. Cool. I don't really have a whole lot to add beyond what we said about the game last week, but I am really enjoying it. Ultimately, I think the game is sort of an acquired taste. I can't really just wholeheartedly recommend it to everybody, but if you do want a really deep RPG that combines the best of Japanese and Western RPGs and is still a bit different from the Final Fantasy we're used to, I think it is really, well, worth playing, worth investigating, worth checking out. I'm having a blast. Yeah, I do plan on picking this one up. All right, very cool. When you do, I look forward to hearing what you have to say. Now, speaking of games made in Japan that are influenced by the West, another one that recently came out on Switch is Dragon's Dogma Dark Arisen from Capcom. That's right, uh, and that's one I've been playing a lot. 
Yeah, I've been playing it a little bit as well. I don't think oh. I've been playing it as much as you. But yeah, it is a fantasy action RPG, kind of like maybe Capcom's take on Elder Scrolls if it were third person, or maybe more like Dark Souls if it weren't stupidly hard and didn't <laughs> control like poop underwater. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Now, I really haven't played that much myself. Like, I think I spent nearly an hour just customizing my character. <laughs> yeah, that'll happen. Yeah, there are a lot of options in there. And, you know, at first I was just going to make a quick generic character, just, you know, probably use one of the templates. But then I saw that you could assign these nicknames from all these Capcom games. <laughs> like you could choose names from characters out of Street Fighter and Darkstalkers and all that stuff. Uh, you would notice that. Yes, and you know one of the names that's in there is Hagar from uh, Final Fight. I knew where we were going. So, of course, once I saw that, I had to make a character that looked like Mike Hagar as much as possible. So <laughs> I spent a bunch of time doing that. Nickname is, of course, Hagar. And naturally, I had to make him a fighter instead of a strider or a mage. I'm hoping that eventually I'll be able to learn to pile drive people, but I don't know how that goes. <laughs> yeah, you might have to uh, equip that or something. <laughs> Hopefully. So... I really haven't done much beyond that. I made my character. I went through the tutorial before that, of course. And then after that, I did get to see sort of the intro where the dragon shows up. And then since then, I've just kind of been exploring the village, running around, doing a couple of side quests. But the game seems enormous. Like, I've just been going through the village, and it seems like, man, there's so much stuff to do just here. And I haven't even left the area yet. So that is my experience so far. But Pete, obviously you've played a lot more than me. What comes next, and what are your opinions after having spent, you know, several more hours going into the game? <laughs> yeah, I think so far I've registered about 12 hours of solid oh, wow. playing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I just kind of I, I fell into the rabbit hole of this game. Nice. I feel like you're absolutely right. There's definitely a blend of some elements going on. Like, I feel a little Skyrim, just from, like, kind of the aesthetic, and maybe even, like, a little bit of The Witcher hmm, okay. more than Skyrim. Yeah, that makes sense. Then, uh, as you mentioned, you know, some elements of Dark Souls, but the good elements. Yes. There's even maybe some Monster Hunter in there. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. It's a Capcom game. And then I think, finally, I really felt like Breath of the Wild kind of maybe even borrowed some things from this game. But hmm, okay. that's just a hot take, though, so don't at me, bro. <laughs> but I say that because, you know, the controls in this game, to me, are far more like a video game than something like a Skyrim. Yeah, it does seem very, very intuitive so far. You got your jump button, you got your weak attack, you got your strong attack. It just makes sense. Very pick up and play in some ways. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, from what I've seen, I was originally playing through as a fighter. Okay. But then I actually changed my vocation to a mystic knight when I saw that that was available. Oh, so is that something you can do like partway through the game? Yeah, you know, I don't exactly know what unlocks it, but it definitely happens at a certain point. You have the ability to change your class. Okay, cool. Good to know. I mean, originally I was thinking I was going to be a strider, but then once my character was going to be Mike Hagger, I'm like, okay, well, got to be a fighter this time. But yeah, it's good to know I might be able to change it up later on. Yeah, so there's actually like nine. It's fighter, strider, mage, mm -hmm. warrior, ranger, sorcerer, mystic knight, assassin, and magic archer. Hmm. <laughs> All right, cool. Kind of like uh, Hawkeye or something. Mm-hmm. Or Legolas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So my big takeaway from this game, though, is the graphics are really good for being as old as it is. Um, you know, I think it's yeah, looking pretty sharp. It was originally a PS3 game. Yeah, it definitely feels a little dated, but I think it's kind of, you know, similar to Skyrim or something where the graphics aren't bad. They're just, you know, 
there's definitely a little bit of stuff going on in the background where there's a little pop in and out. But for the most part, oh, that's part, true. I did notice that. For the yeah. most part, I, I actually am impressed with some of the draw distance and and like you can see sort of like towns going on in the background where you like you're like, oh, I'd like to get there eventually and figure out what's what's mm-hmm. going on over there. Yeah, that is very Breath of the Wildish. Yeah, I'm also another thing that kind of reminds me of Breath of the Wild is the the variety of enemies. There's like you know, you got your rats and your bats, but then you also run into a lot of goblins. There's also these giant monsters like Cyclops. Mm-hmm. There's some that wear armor. There's like little variations on them, very similar to like a Breath of the Wild kind of thing. Are those ones you have to like run away from? Or are they going to destroy you at this point? <laughs> well, no, I actually got to the point where I could take them on. You actually have to like climb up them and attack. Oh, yeah, that was one of the really cool things about the combat system. I mean, I haven't done a whole lot of combat past that first tutorial but yeah that was something that you know i discovered pretty quickly on in that first boss fight you know jump onto the bad guy climb onto its back and start hacking away (laughs) that is pretty cool for sure yeah exactly and then uh i actually even encountered a dragon but i uh totally got whooped so but not the dragon uh no i don't think so i'm not really sure if there's more than one dragon i've seen i've actually seen two in the wild but i've ran away every time because they tend to just roast me they will rip your heart out dude yeah a little dracarys on me Anyways, I think one thing that really stands out for me in this game is the pawn system. Are you familiar with that at all? I mean, not really. At the point I'm at, a pawn has sort of magically appeared. I'm supposed to guide him somewhere. (laughs) But I know there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah, so basically, the pawns are your party. And it's kind of Capcom's way of going, okay, we're not going to like write a script for all these characters. We're just going to let you play with like three randos in your party. I mean, it's almost like a faux MMO where you're having yeah. these other characters sort of join you and they're sort of doing their own thing, but it's not actually, you know, online player control. Totally. Or maybe even more like a faux Monster Hunter or something online where you're trying to play with yeah. three other people. Right, exactly. But one character you get to make yourself and that person is always going to follow you around. Oh, okay. And that person you actually can upload to the internet and I'm not sure if you need the Nintendo Online or not, but basically that character that you make will actually be on a server somewhere and other people can download it, hmm. which is pretty cool. So if you want to make Hagar again as a pawn <laughs> or some other character from Final Fight. Yeah, I'll have to add Cody and Guy now. <laughs> well, you only get one. Yeah. But anyways, they, they follow you around. Just like and, the Super Nintendo. And you can spec them how you want. And you also have to worry about their armor and you also have to worry about their skills. But then you can also go into this pawn rift and recruit other pawns. And you can, I mean, if you had a pawn, I could find it and download it and use it in my party. It's pretty cool, though, because you get to go in and select from the different character classes available. So, you know, you kind of want to make like a a round Mm -hmm. party. So if you made a archer, you probably want to also have a mage and maybe another fighter or maybe two mages. And I've experimented with a little bit of that. It's pretty cool. Like, it's always nice to have like a healer, at least one. But uh, yeah. Yeah, cool. And, you know, I know a couple of my other friends are playing this, too. So I'd like to you know try to recruit both my friends and my nemeses into my party so I can have a nice uh, balanced crew there. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to send you a picture of my guy. He looks pretty much just like me. All right. I can't wait. Only ripped. <laughs> so the only thing I, negative I can really say about it is I feel like eventually you could see it getting a little repetitive. Some of the quests aren't necessarily like... You know, anything more than just like, I'm going to go kill 15 bats or something. (laughs) Exciting. Which is a little not exactly what you want to do over and over again. But so far, there's been some cool stuff. There was one, I had like an escort quest, 
that was like ridiculous. Mm, escort. <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. I, it literally took me like maybe three hours to complete. And I had just oh, got geez. to this big town and just got assigned this quest. And I was like, um, I guess I'll do this. But yeah, it seems like in general far less quest variety than something like uh, Skyrim. But it, it seems like for now there's enough to keep me interested and I'm going to keep playing. All right, cool. And then the other knock against it is that uh, there's only one save file per game. So, oh, weird. Yeah, so you basically, once you start your game, you can't just, like, save different instances. So it kind of annoyed me at first, you know, not being able to, like, oh, I, maybe I should go see what this does and save an instance and then, you know, go back and go, oh, that was a terrible mistake. I'm going to reload. Yeah, time to reload. Yeah, they combat that by letting you reload to a checkpoint, but, like, you really don't know exactly when that checkpoint is, or at least I haven't been able to figure it out, and it's really annoying when it's, like, way too far back. So, mm, okay. yeah, there's kind of this weird, like, why didn't they just let you have multiple save files? So don't really understand the logic behind that, but it's not great for exploring. All right, well, definitely good to keep in mind. Anyway, I can't recommend this enough if you're into this sort of genre. You know, one more comparison to Breath of the Wild is the fact that you can combine things and, like, make random stuff. You just collect all this, like, random garbage, and you don't really know what it is. And like, so <laughs> Yes, that is what my inventory is like currently. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of it isn't even, like, usable by itself. But then after I um, started realizing you could combine stuff, yeah, you can make, like, potions and all sorts of stuff. And then, like, it's so overly complex. Like, there's a time where you, like, pick up berries, and if you don't eat them fast enough, it'll turn into a rotten berry. Huh. And, like, the description says something about, like, if you eat this, it's going to ravage your bowels. <laughs> disgusting <laughs> yeah well on that note this game is non-bow ravager and i would recommend picking it up and it's only 30 bucks so you know i wasn't really sure i was kind of on the fence but i thought hey for 30 bucks you know i really could do a lot worse so let's check it out and take a risk yeah i intend to keep playing it as well and you know I, like i said i'll recruit you and some other friends to my party and uh, see how it goes from there cool good luck all right thank you kindly now another game i've been playing recently on switch is the Konami Anniversary Collection Arcade Classics. Ah, cool. How are you enjoying that? Well, I mean, it's kind of exactly what you would expect. It is a collection of eight 80s Konami arcade games, primarily shooters. So let me just go down the list. It includes Scramble from 1981, which is basically a Gradius prototype, you know, very basic, very simple graphics. Then there's Twin B, which is a very colorful, cartoony shooter for two players, or one player if you want. It's a lot more fun than I expected and definitely better than the Famicom version. Then there is a game, of course, we like the title, it is Nemesis, but it is better known <laughs> as Gradius here in, well, pretty much everywhere. <laughs> and that one's an all-time classic, sort of the definitive side-scrolling space shooter. Of course, unlike the NES version, there is no Konami code, so be warned. <laughs> then there's Life Force, which is similar to the NES game in some respects. It does have some different stages. It has a more traditional power-up system. But as far as I can tell, there are no continues. Like, once your lives run out, that is it. Maybe you can continue in two-player mode or something, but trying to get through that without continuing, man, that is very, very tough. <laughs> yeah, and they don't let you uh, add more lives or anything. I mean, you can add more tokens, but every time I've tried, I've just started over from the beginning, so... I don't know what's going on there, but yeah, <laughs> maybe if I play in co-op, it'll be much better. But so far, it's been kind of a rough ride. That's the opposite of awesome. 
Then beyond that, there is Typhoon, a.k.a. Ajax, which is this interesting shooter I've never played before. It has these pseudo-3D stages, kind of like Afterburner, as well as top-down stages where you play as a helicopter. It sort of reminds me of Axley in very, very small ways, which is a good thing. I'm not really sure about how I feel about the game overall, but it's certainly different and interesting. Then we have Haunted Castle, which is the Castlevania arcade game that came out in 1988, and... It's the odd man out. It's the only non-shooter in the group. <laughs> it is harder than hell. It is super cheap. You have limited continues, as best I can tell. It's not a very good game, and I wish they had not put it on here. <laughs> but hey, if you haven't played it before, it's kind of interesting. I don't think I've ever heard you say, like, I wish this was not in the collection. <laughs> there are so many better games I could have put on there. Hmm. And then we have Vulcan Venture, which is also known as Gradius 2. And, you know, that's just more Gradius with more power-ups, more variety, better graphics. Very fun, but also very challenging. And then we have Thundercross from 1988, which feels much more modern, but sort of much more generic than the other games on here. It's also more forgiving than the rest. You do have as many continues as you want. And it also has two-player simultaneous gameplay. The port is by Hamster, the makers of the Arcade Archives games, so it doesn't have a ton of bells and whistles just like those, but at least it does have a proper save function that lets you just create a save state and then load it up at will, unlike the Arcade Archives games where you just create a save state and then it gets erased if you have a game over, which, <laughs> you know, feels kind of mean. So at least they've improved upon that. Also, it does have a good concept art gallery along with developer notes and fun conversations with the designers. There's also like a music portion of the gallery, but it's just like literally the sheet music. It's not a music player. So <laughs> if you can read sheet music, like, great, maybe this will help you out in some way. Otherwise, it just seems totally pointless to me. <laughs> Ultimately, I think this game would have benefited from having more variety. Like, there's some great Konami classics out there in arcades, like Crime Fighters or especially Sunset Riders. Even Yi'ar Kung Fu, which is kind of not a very good game, but it is a well-known Konami classic. And I would have rather had that on here than maybe some other things instead of just having shooters. Of course, there's all their you know classic licensed games as well, but I didn't expect those to be on here. But anyway... Regardless of all that, it is a solid collection of shooters, you know, no more, no less, a $20 nostalgia trip. If you are not already a fan, you know, you can totally avoid this. If you are a fan, then it's a fine investment. Sweet. Can uh, I expect to see a Twitch stream of you playing Haunted Castle anytime soon? <laughs> no, probably not, because I'm not in the mood for throwing my controller across the room. But you can imagine <laughs> it. Just imagine it. I would pay good money for that. Well, good, because I could use the money to buy a new controller. <laughs> Or more Amiibos. Yeah, one or the other. <laughs> and then there's one other game I've been playing on Switch recently, and that is Box Boy plus Box Girl. Pete, did you pick this one up? You know, I actually did purchase this. I haven't played it yet, but I did uh -huh. play the demo. Oh, okay. Yeah, I played through the demo as well, and then I got the final game. What I'm discovering so far is that it is a lot like the previous games in the series. <laughs> right. What are your thoughts so far? Yeah, exactly. But, you know, that's not really a bad thing. Well, I mean, I guess that depends on your point of view. You know, it is a lot of fun. You basically create blocks to make steps or bridges. Then you cross gaps. You get past obstacles. You know, eventually you learn these more advanced techniques like snaking from one spot to the next. But, you know, for me, I kind of felt like I was just getting a lot of the same that I had done before. I kind of expected something fresher and newer. Hmm. I can definitely see that. I guess from my perspective, Chris, I haven't actually played Box Boy since the, I think the first 3DS release. Oh, okay. So playing it on Switch actually was kind of a welcome reminder of how cool that game is and how fun the gameplay can be. 
Yeah, I can definitely see that. I mean, I think you can come at this from two perspectives. One, if you have played the heck out of the previous games and you're expecting something you know different and fresh, you might be a little disappointed. If you haven't played them in a long time or you haven't played them at all, you, know, you should definitely play this because it is a very, very fun series with some really cool ideas. And I will say this certainly does have some new things. There are some things I haven't unlocked yet, and there's also the co-op mode, the two-player right. mode. And you can either play that with a friend, the way it's intended, or you actually can play it solo and switch back and forth between the characters, but it's a lot less fun that way. <laughs> I did play through the first two worlds in two-player mode, and yeah, it is definitely a nice inclusion. Cool. Yeah, I feel like that's just sad to play one player. <laughs> Yes, I did actually play it two-player, but yeah, I might play through some of the stages in co-op mode solo. We'll see. We'll see. I'm teasing you. Anyway, you know, for only $10, I feel like it is pretty good for what it is. Like I said, more innovation would have been nice, but hey, if you've never played the series before, absolutely get it 100%. Yeah, and I feel like it's kind of one of those good games to have on your Switch where you can just kind of pick up and play it for a few minutes and... You know, yeah, definitely. Sink your teeth into a puzzle, and then once you've accomplished it, move on to something else. Yeah, I was discovering that as well. You know, I might have finished up, you know, some time with an RPG, and then it's like, oh, I want to play just a little something. And I'll just turn this on and play a level or two, and then, you know, of course, I end up playing like three times as many levels <laughs> as I was intending. So it is. Which does prove how. Oh, I mean, it definitely is fun. I'm not gonna knock it at all. Like I said, I was just hoping for it to be a little more fresh. And who knows, maybe as I continue to play the game, I will discover there are all kinds of exciting new things I just haven't experienced yet. But it's definitely good fun. No argument there. Now, I don't regret getting it at all. Now, there is a new character in that game, right? Did you play him at all? No, I have not unlocked playing as the new characters, the new shapes yet. So we'll see how that goes. All right, cool. Anyway, that takes care of all of our game impressions for this week. Why don't we move along to a little bit of news? First up in the news, Nintendo fans finally got some information about a series we've been hoping to see on the system for quite a while. Persona 5 Scramble, the Phantom Strikers, has been officially announced by the folks over at Atlas. So it's Persona 5, but not Persona 5. It's really not Persona 5 at all, <laughs> actually. Just, just in name. Yes, I mean, you would expect something that was teased as Persona 5S to be, oh, it's Persona 5, but on the Switch. But no, it is actually a Dynasty Warriors-style game. It is being developed by Tecmo Koi and Omega Force, so they're the same folks who worked on stuff like Hyrule Warriors and Fire Emblem Warriors, but obviously set in the Persona universe. Now, this is weird because I feel like a lot of folks aren't really excited about that. Well, I mean... I think having a full-blown Persona RPG certainly would have been more enticing and exciting, and, you know, that's really what it's known for. I mean, I have enjoyed the Hyrule Warriors and Fire Emblem Warriors games, but I feel like my enjoyment of those games comes from how much I love the property otherwise, and because I have not had a chance to play through any of these other Persona games, certainly not on Nintendo systems, it's like, well... Why should I really care about this? You know, the joy of Hyrule Wars is being like, oh, here's all my favorite characters and going to all my favorite locations and doing it in a different way. Right. And, you know, that hasn't really happened yet with uh, Persona 5. You know, it's like, here's Joker. <laughs> I see him fighting in the streets of Tokyo. And I see him fighting off a zillion enemies like these shadowy security guards and these pumpkin-headed wizard guys <laughs> and big guys with angel wings and little fairies. But I don't really know who any of them are. So it really doesn't have the impact that something like Hyrule Warriors or Fire Emblem Warriors does. Right. 
I think this also kind of brings into question, like, what actually constitutes a character being in Smash Brothers? <laughs> like, this isn't even the real series. It's just like a side story of the Persona 5. So it's like... Yeah, it's just a spinoff. Yeah, so like, what? Is that all it takes now to be in the Smash Brothers series? Well, apparently it doesn't even take that, because the game ain't even going to be out until who knows when. <laughs> maybe later this year, maybe not till next year in North America. Who knows? Apparently all it takes is being a cool character, and really... What more do you need than that? <laughs> I feel like we're doing a little foreshadowing for the second half of this episode. <laughs> Perhaps so. Anyway, yes, we are finally getting a Persona game. It is not the Persona game that anybody wants, let alone Persona 5. But hey, that's not to say the Persona 5 isn't going to happen down the road. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. And for now, be content with this. Yeah, definitely an odd choice to announce first if they are coming out with the Persona 5. But I suppose so. Oh, well. Yep, well, we'll just keep crossing our fingers for that. Another game that is coming out on Switch soon that I am rather excited about is Ninja Warriors once again. Are you familiar with this one? <laughs> uh, no. Isn't that the show uh, that was on, American Ninja Warriors? No, this is a little bit different. Ninja Warriors was originally an arcade game, and then there was a port to the Super NES that was really very good. In Japan, that one was known as Ninja Warriors again, and this is an enhanced version of that game, Ninja Warriors once again. It's basically the Super NES game, but with vastly improved graphics. It's a 2D side-scrolling action game developed by Natsume Atari, and you know, even though it has Ninja Warriors in the title, you're not very ninja-like. There's no stealth <laughs> or anything like that. You're these cyborg ninjas, and you could play either solo or co-op, and just beat the crap out of lots of enemy soldiers and robots and ninjas. It is much more like a beat-em-up action game than a typical ninja game. But the Super NES game was really good. The soundtrack was awesome. And, uh, you know, this version coming out sometime in 2019, I am definitely looking forward to picking up this one. Yeah, I'm looking at screenshots of it. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, if you like 2D sprite-based 16-bit graphics, it really doesn't get much better than this. Right. And who doesn't? But speaking of classic series making a return on Switch, we also found out that Wonder Boy Returns Remix is coming out on Switch, and it's coming soon. It hits on May 23rd for only $15 in the eShop. Wow. Wonder Boy has been making a lot of appearances on the eShop. Yeah, yeah, he's really getting around. Between <laughs> Wonder Boy the Dragon's Trap from a few years ago, and then Monster Boy, which is kind of an official Wonder Boy spin-off sequel thing of sorts, and now this, it's like everybody's getting their turn to develop their own Wonder Boy games. <laughs> I wonder when it'll be your turn. You wonder, huh? Mm -hmm. I see what you did there. <laughs> Now, this game, unlike those other Wonder Boy games, it's not Zelda-like. It's pretty much just a pure platformer. And in fact, it's more of a cousin to the Adventure Island series of platformers. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole convoluted history of Wonder Boy <laughs> and Adventure Island, mostly because it's so complicated I barely understand it myself. But yeah, it's a lot more like those, so expect, you know, running and skateboarding and throwing <laughs> hammers and stuff. I don't know how excited I really am for this one, but it's definitely an interesting addition, and it's cool to see it coming to Switch. I mean, that's like my normal everyday commute to work. Ah, understandable. Of course. Because you're in New York. Probably with fewer palm trees, though, huh? <laughs> yeah, way fewer. Now, speaking of interesting games coming out on Switch, I was very intrigued and, I guess, pleased to see that Doraemon Story of Seasons is coming to North America this fall. Oh. Doraemon, here we go. Yes. And, you know... When they announced that the next Story of Seasons game was going to feature Doraemon, I was like, is this going to come out in North America at all? I thought maybe it wouldn't because of licensing issues. But yes, indeed, it is coming out here. And it, indeed, it is a crossover with the Doraemon anime manga, which 
I'll be honest, I don't have a whole lot of familiarity with. Nope, me neither. Apparently, though, Doraemon is a robotic cat, and he travels through time to help a boy named Nobi, and now apparently they're farming together, I guess? <laughs> yeah. I mean, from the trailer, it looked pretty much like typical story of seasons, and by that, I mean... They uh, hoe the fields, they water crops, they ride horses, they raise cows and chickens and sheep and participate in festivals. Yep, yep, looks like your classic Harvest Moon. Yes, but I would assume there's going to be some sort of special Doraemon content later on. You know, what's interesting to me, though, is this is not the first Story of Seasons crossover we have had. You know, if you haven't played the game, you might not realize this, but... In the last couple of 3DS games, there were actually some Mario crossover content. There were Mario costumes hidden in the game. You shut your mouth. <laughs> yes, there were. And then, in the Japanese version of Story of Seasons Trio of Towns, there was a crossover with Hamtaro. <laughs> okay, now I don't believe you. <laughs> it is totally true. It was cut, unfortunately, from the North American version because of licensing issues, and that's what made me think, oh, this game will not be coming out here, perhaps. But... Um, yeah, apparently they figured it out, and so we are going to be getting this game this fall. Now, it does have questions such as what will the Doraemon content really do to affect the game, and what about the fact that it's being published by Bandai Namco rather than Exceed this time? Will that affect the localization? Will that make it worse? Will that maybe make it better? And then, of course, there is the most important question of all. Will this version of Story of Seasons have capybaras? <laughs> is that a known thing? Uh, they were introduced in the last game, yes, in Trio of Towns. And that, of course, is one of the things that makes me most proud to have actually worked on the localization of that game. Ah. So, yeah, if those are in this game, it's an absolute uh, instant purchase for me. If not, mm, I guess we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> so my favorite thing about this announcement was that this trailer does not feature Doraemon at all until the very last, like, still image. <laughs> it's like the main character <laughs> yeah. in Doraemon eating watermelon on a log. <laughs> yes, yes. Like I said, there are still many questions, and it really remains to be seen how this is all going to play out. But yeah. hey, I'm just glad we're going to be getting it after all. Sure, why not? <laughs> hey, Chris, I'm really excited to play something soon. Can you tell me anything that's coming out in the next week or so? <laughs> well, funny you should mention that, Pete. Yes, we finally got an update from the folks at V-Blank Entertainment about Shakedown Hawaii. It has a release date. It is going to be coming out, finally, on Switch just next week, on May 7th. Oh, wow. Are you going to pick this one up? Uh, there's a pretty good chance. I mean, this is, of course, the follow-up to Retro City Rampage, and it is another top-down action-adventure sort of in the vein of the original 2D Grand Theft Auto games. This one, though, it's more 16-bit style rather than 8-bit style. And it really does look like an evolved version of the previous game, Retro City Rampage, but you know, maybe with a little bit less parody, still a lot of humor, and also you know, tighter gameplay, more polished visuals. You're still going to have a lot of vehicles to jack, and lots of shooting, and a big open world to explore and destroy. I guess kind of the big thing, though, is you know, this game was announced a long time ago. I think it was shown off on like the very first Switch Nindies event oh, yeah. more than two years ago. And now it is finally coming out after all this time. Yeah, I actually think I might pick this one up. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, it definitely does. Also, there is still a 3DS version in the works. It's not coming out at the same time. It is coming later. But, you know, if you are a 3DS owner, that is definitely good to know as well. Yeah, no kidding. And speaking of games we've been looking forward to that finally have release dates, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night now has a date as well. Ooh, creepy. Yeah, it is coming out on June 25th for Switch. 
Ah, it's pretty soon. Yep, less than two months away. And I don't know if you noticed, Pete, but did you see the new trailer for the game? They completely revamped the visual style. Uh, no, I have not. You should check it out, because it's pretty drastic. I mean, it's more vibrant, there's more contrast, there are much more dynamic textures involved, drastically different lighting. It's really crazy to see this being implemented so close to launch and so late in development. Yeah, that's almost unheard of, really. Yeah, I mean, it almost looks like a totally different game. I mean, the polygonal models seem to be more or less unchanged, but still, yeah, it's pretty crazy to see what a difference it's gone through. I do know that it had um, you know, a little bit of weird feedback after some people had played it not too long ago, but uh, I'm hoping that you know this game is just as good as the 8-bit counterpart that came out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I saw some of those criticisms as well. The response to that was that, you know, that version of the game was not optimized and that they were having issues with the systems overheating. So hopefully that's true. I mean, the changes to the visuals kind of make me worry that, oh, this is even more taxing and it could cause problems <laughs> with the Switch version. But again, I'm going to keep crossing my fingers and hope for the best on this one because I have been looking forward to it for a long time. Yeah, me too. And then, last but not least, when it comes to these release date updates, Nintendo has stated that Super Mario Maker 2 now has an official date coming out on June 28th. Nice. Yeah. Unfortunately, they haven't really divulged any more details, but we know it's going to have a ton of content, a ton of stuff you can do, and of course the ability to share and upload and play other people's levels. And once it comes out, I'm sure there are people that are going to be doing nothing but playing that and making new Mario stages for like the next you know, six years. And I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Uh, I imagine you're going to be picking this one up on day one? Yeah, I think so. Just, if anything, I don't really have time to create levels anymore, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same here. But I like the idea of, you know, playing other people's levels and actually also some of the new content that Nintendo will have in it. Yeah, for sure. That is definitely what I'm going to be there around day one to check it out. Now, one last bit of news I wanted to bring up you know, it's not exactly gaming news, I guess it's movie news, but how can we not talk about this Sonic the Hedgehog movie trailer that's been put out there? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's certainly out there. Yes, yes it is. Now, let me say one thing that I actually kind of like about this, and that is Sonic's voice. I actually like Sonic's voice in this trailer. Yeah, it didn't make me want to just like launch myself off a cliff. <laughs> Everything else, however, was hideous. <laughs> Yeah, there, there's not a lot to love in this trailer. Yeah, this just looked not good at all to me. It pretty much looks like what we suspected and feared. But uh, yeah, I was not quite prepared for this. I mean, Sonic himself, it looks like some dude in a bad off-model <laughs> Sonic suit. It's like maybe they're just trying to sell hideous-looking Halloween costumes that look like this because I can't see any other reason for making Sonic look so horrible. Yeah, I mean... It's funny because you can really contrast this trailer to, you know, Detective Pikachu now, which is kind of doing the same thing. Uh, kind of. And I got to be honest, Detective Pikachu and all the characters I've seen in that look pretty great compared to what they're trying to do with Sonic. I mean, it's just... I mean, Detective Pikachu really stays more in line with what you would expect out of that franchise. I mean, they look a little bit different. Like, you know, there's fur on some of the creatures right. where you didn't expect fur, but they're still pretty true to their original models. Right, and it's not like a wild departure that makes you kind of like cringe every time you see it <laughs> right exactly instead this really is giving me like super mario brothers the movie vibes <laughs> i mean i feel like this could be from the same people kind of with the same mindset being like oh 
we know this thing is popular, but we don't really know why. So instead of letting the heroes just, you know, do their thing and fight the bad guys and sort of have this whimsical adventure, they have basically taken something that just slightly resembles the characters and places from the games, and then they suck all the fun out of it and try to make it logically grounded in the real world instead of just letting it, you know, be what it's supposed to be. It's like they're saying, uh, this is weird and dumb, so we're going to change it, instead of just embracing it and saying, yeah, this is awesome, which, like you're saying, with Pokemon, that's exactly what Pokemon is doing. It's like, they're just being like, okay, here's this world full of crazy Pokemon, let's just go nuts. Yeah, maybe Nintendo will come out being Marvel in this whole thing, and Sega will go the route of DC. (laughs) In other words, maybe they'll uh, eventually learn from their mistakes and start making something good after a while, (laughs) should they last so long. The biggest bummer to me about this whole thing is if it doesn't do well... I feel like that's going to make Nintendo a little bit more gun-shy of ever doing another movie. Yeah, maybe. I mean, they've got stuff in the works. You know, we'll see how that turns out. It's a completely different beast, and the fact that they're doing an animated movie seems much more promising than uh, the way Sega's going about this. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, my other takeaway from the Sonic trailer is that you know after they have you know gone through this, put him in the real world, kind of sucked out all the fun, you know, basically now the movie... Looks like Transformers or something. <laughs> Only instead of having, you know, the usual military guys are being replaced by Jim Carrey as Dr. Robotnik. And they're like, ah, <laughs> oh, call in the military. We have to stop this bizarre threat. And it just doesn't sound, you know, fun or whimsical at all. It seems totally played out. And it's been done in a ton of other movies. And I just hope there is more to the movie than that. Like the end of the trailer hinted at something more akin to regular Sonic where it showed Sonic making a warp gate, and you know, maybe that means they could potentially visit some actual, you know, cool Sonic-inspired world. And they showed that crazy game-inspired version of Dr. Robotnik. So maybe that's going to be a real thing. But I'll be honest, my expectations are very, very low. <laughs> but what about the electric fur, Chris? <laughs> I don't care about the electric fur. <laughs> yeah, I really have hopes that this isn't a complete disaster, but I can't help but think that's probably what it's going to be. <laughs> it probably is. Now, the interesting thing, though, is that after the horrible response this has gotten, the director has like gone on social media. He's like, oh, we're going to fix this. We're going to make this good. How the <laughs> heck they can fix this by November? I really don't see them doing that in any way, shape, or form. They're like going to have to totally go back to the drawing board with all their CG. I just do not see that happening in the next six months. So we shall see. We shall see. Yeah, I like the internet trying to fix it. It's kind of fun to watch. <laughs> well, apparently it was influential. You know, it's made Paramount take a look at themselves. And be like, yeah, we have to do something about this because people don't like it. But yeah, we'll see where it goes from here. Cool. Or not cool. <laughs> yeah, I think you maybe hit the nail on the head. That takes care of our news for this week. Let us move along to some listener mail. Our first letter for this episode comes from Mike Opferman, who writes, If you were a child, but still had your years of experience as a pro, and just got a Switch for your birthday, what one game would you want to come with it? Plus, if your parents gave you a $50 eShop card, how would you spend that? Also, since you were a kid, you can't spend any more money till Christmas on more games, so choose wisely. (laughs) Wow. Interesting question. Pete, do you have a response? I do. You know, I think for me, if I was a child and I was going to get a Switch with one game, I think that one game would have to be Super Mario Odyssey. Huh, interesting. You know, I think I would go with that as well. I mean, there are basically three choices as far as I'm concerned. You could do Super Mario Odyssey, 
you could do The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, or you could do Super Smash Brothers. I mean, I think it kind of just depends on what kind of a player you are. Do you want a fighting game? Do you want a sword swing adventure? Do you want a whimsical platformer? But, I mean, ultimately, I think Mario Odyssey is my favorite of those three, so I think that's what I would go with as well. I just think if you're only allowed to play one and that's all, I think Odyssey is the one that just screams Nintendo more than anything. That's true. I mean, of course, if I was a kid, you know, like 12 or 13 or something, I was certainly really into, you know, sword swing fantasy stuff. So Zelda would also be a great way to go. But uh, yeah, I think those are both fine, fine choices. Just don't go with the Labo, kid. <laughs> now, what about the $50 eShop card? How would you spend that? Well, $50 is not a lot of money on the eShop. It seems like it would be, but you know. So I think first I would probably pick up something like the Messenger. Okay. Just because it's a really solid platformer and, you know, you get a lot of use out of it. Brutally hard, so you keep coming back. Then I would also probably pick up something like, uh, I don't know, Into the Breach for 15 Okay. So up to 35 so far. Yep. You know, that's kind of get my tactics on. And then lastly, I don't know, maybe something like Golf Story just to kind of round out with like a nice little RPG element story. For another 15 Yeah. That brings you 50 bucks. So there's certainly some fine choices there. I might even download Warframe after that just because it's free and I can play that. Oh, all right. Good choice. As for me, I think I would first go for Okami HD, which is you know a ton of game for $20. And it certainly scratches that Zelda itch. Yep. Then I would go for Sonic Mania, which again is a fantastic 2D platformer. Mm-hmm for one of the biggest franchises in the biz. And then, you know, even though, you know, I sound kind of wishy-washy about it earlier, I would say Box Boy for $10. Mm-hmm. So I think between Okami, Sonic Mania, and Box Boy, that is a great way to spend 50 bucks. And then I'll take a page from you, Pete, and say also get Delta Rune Chapter 1 because it is free. So. Oh, look at you. Yeah. Those would be uh, my choices for a way to spend 50 bucks in the eShop. Nice. On to our next letter then. This one comes from Brian Booth, who writes, Random thought. Over the years, we have seen several genres and subgenres either created by Nintendo or utilized by them to great effect. Are there any that you would like to see them tackle, either with an existing property, as with the kart racing subgenre pioneered with Mario and company, or with a brand new property a la Pikmin and Splatoon, each of which took an existing genre and infused it with Nintendo's signature quirky creative flair and incomparably high quality? Wow, good question. Anything that comes to mind? Well, I don't have a really good answer, but I think the genre that Nintendo could probably tackle and breathe new life into would be the Battle Royale multiplayer genre. Mm. And we've seen that a little bit with their multiplayer take on Tetris, but I feel like they could do something even beyond that, more innovative and more Nintendo-y with all of their characters. How they would do it and what they would do, I couldn't even begin to guess, but I feel like you know they've pretty much done everything else and successfully conquered every other genre. So uh, you know, other than doing some sort of uh, you know hardcore survival horror game, which I don't see them doing, I see them doing perhaps their own fun, inspired take on multiplayer battle royale. Hmm. I thought you were going to say pro wrestling for a minute. <laughs> well, we know they've already done that. <laughs> yeah, I would like to see them get back into that arena. Yeah, we should see a Mario wrestling and a Mario football game one of these days. But, uh... <laughs> I think I'm with you. And if I was picking games at Nintendo to make, I really thought it was interesting what Plants vs. Zombies did with their franchise when they went with Garden Warfare. 
Hmm, I never played that one. I actually haven't played it either, but it's essentially sort of like, I don't know if you ever saw Battalion Wars that came out on the Wii. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that, you know, you kind of run around a big map and you uh, end up attacking each other. And I just thought, you know, it would be so awesome to run around the Mushroom Kingdom in sort of like a PUBG type situation and attack each other with like, you know, Lakitu's and Piranha Plants and Donkey Kong punching things. And (laughs) I don't know, I could just see, uh, you know, over the top sort of big multiplayer style game like that. I'm not entirely sure some of that stuff you just said, but I think I like it. (laughs) Well, it's like a multiplayer third-person shooter and tower defense. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but it'd be fun. (laughs) Either way, I think they could do something cool with it. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, that takes care of the letters for this week. And I think with that done, it is time for us to take an intermission, and then when we come back, Uh, we will discuss... Wait a second there, buddy. Oh. Um, Okay, Pete, you've done this enough times. Uh, you are trying to sell me an insurance policy? (laughs) Uh, not on your life. Oh. Okay. Well, then what? It's time to hassle the Hoff. Oh. All right. Okay, then. Let's go ahead and get this over with. All right. Video Game Professor Hoffman. Uh, yes? If you were able to create any anniversary collection for Nintendo Switch... Oh, my. What would it be? Oh, boy. This is a good one, right? This is a good one. There are lots of interesting possibilities for this. Yeah, so let me see. First of all, I actually did have an idea for a fourth Konami anniversary collection I would really like to see them do. I called it the Very Improbable Licensed Game Collection. (laughs) Is Zombies Ate My Neighbors in there? Uh, No, this would all be licensed properties. So I'm talking about like the first Team and T arcade game, Team and T4 on the Super NES, the Aliens arcade game, the Simpsons arcade game, Goonies 2, wow. the G.I. Joe arcade game, all stuff like that. The X-Men arcade game, Wow, that would be one of my ultimates. That's a lot of money going to a lot of different hands. <laughs> it is, it is. But, you know, departing from that a second, because we just got, you know, three other Konami collections, and we know that one's never going to happen. <laughs> you know, going in a completely different direction, I would love to see some sort of quintet anniversary collection. And if you know Quintet, they made some of my favorite 16-bit action RPGs. They not only made Act Razor, but they did Soul Blazer, they did Illusion of Gaia, and then they did uh, Terranigma, which, you know, we never got here in North America. And I've always wanted to play a proper North American version of that game. And man, I would totally freak out if they ever did that. If I had to choose between that one and the Konami one, oh, that would be super, super hard. I mean, I would probably end up going with that Konami arcade collection over that, but either one of those, I think, would be absolutely phenomenal. If I could conjure one of those up, I would be one happy camper. Wow. As usual, I'm amazed by your video game prowess. Nicely done. (laughs) Thank you kindly, Pete. That was a very un-nemesis-like thing to say. (laughs) Uh, I try sometimes. Okay. With that taken care of, it is now time for us to take our intermission, and then we come back, we'll discuss this week's big topic, which is the Super Smash Bros. Ultimate Final Four.
All right, we are back, and we are ready to discuss this week's big topic, which is the Super Smash Bros. Ultimate Final Four. By that, of course, we mean the Final Four DLC characters we would like to see released for the game. Joker is already out. We know that four more are coming. So this week's topic is all about discussing what those other four characters could be. And these aren't necessarily the four characters I would most like to see in the game, but you know they are four characters that should offer something surprising. They should offer something that the fans would be willing to depart with their own money for. And something that isn't already necessarily represented with a current playable character in the game. So with that in mind, that is our discussion for this week. Yeah, and I also think that, it, it, you know, in the realm of Persona, we kind of talked about this. It's like, if Joker can happen, that's not even a freaking game or series that's on the console, at least when it was right. announced, which almost leaves the door open for anything. Yeah, pretty much. I totally agree with you. I think that came very much out of left field, and I think that kind of proves that almost anything is possible. I mean, obviously there are restrictions, I don't think that we're going to see Darth Vader in the game anytime <laughs> soon. I don't think we're going to see, you know, Sony first-party characters. Any Simpsons but, characters. Yeah, hopefully they will completely stay away from other forms of media and make it a celebration of video games that was always intended to be. But, you know, other than that, I feel like the door is just wide open and it could be almost anybody. Mm-hmm. So, with that in mind, let's jump into it. All right. Well, my first choice is going to be one that I know a lot of fans have been requesting, and that is Banjo-Kazooie. Ah, that's a good choice. Yeah, I mean, at one point, it was kind of unfathomable to think that we would get Banjo because it's a Microsoft character, and Microsoft is doing their own things with Rare, and, you know, once they got Rare into their own camp, it's like, okay, this is ours now nintendo can't have it but you know they've been pretty buddy buddy with nintendo recently you know minecraft is on the system and uh, you know they've been you know sort of doing little partnerships here and there we just got cuphead on the system and that was you know microsoft published originally so i really don't think it's out of the question to see a microsoft character in the game and who would be more appropriate than banjo i don't think there's any I mean, you could say oh the minecraft character pfft, no way. It should definitely be Banjo due to his history with Nintendo, and I would totally be down with that. Also, you know, the character has a lot of moves. I think he would fit in really well. Obviously, I think you know, like, like throwing eggs would be a special move. Probably using some limited flight capabilities would be a special move. You know, probably some sort of torpedo charge attack. I just feel like a lot of those moves that Banjo and Kazooie have done in the game are already very well suited to a fighting game. Also, I'd love to see the character be able to sort of, you know, flip upside down where Banjo's on top and Kazooie is on the bottom and totally give it a different move set. You know, obviously it would be more limited as far as mobility goes, but, you know, maybe it would be more powerful and just have different attacks and just being able to switch between those two modes, I think would be a really, really cool thing to have in the game. So that's why I'm going for my first choice with Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah, that's cool. I could actually imagine a scenario where, you know, you're trying to recover and you kind of float back onto the stage because Kazooie's flapping his wings. Yep, definitely. Or is it a her? I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember either. <laughs> Sorry, Kazooie. Either way, that duo would definitely make a lot of sense. And like I said, I don't think it's completely out of the question. <laughs> All right. Well, along those same lines you know, of a potential Microsoft influence into a Smash Brothers character. I actually think I would love to see Cuphead make an appearance. Huh. 
Interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know, they've done two-dimensional characters in Smash Brothers before. Uh, obviously, Mr. Game & Watch comes to mind. Yep, he's the first one. And I just think that Cuphead kind of is the, you know, second coming of sort of that style of animation being in a game. And I think that it's a big enough landmark occasion that Cuphead is on uh, Switch console. I could imagine, like, you know, some really interesting variety of, like, his shots. Yeah, probably a very projectile-heavy character. Yeah, sure. you get a lot of different types of spreads on your gunshots from the power-ups you get in the game. And it would be really even crazier if somehow he could shoot in, like, eight different directions or whatever. Because that's kind of a thing that's not really typical for most characters in Smash Brothers. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Also, I can imagine some really, really cool stages that would come along with him. I mean, when I was thinking about Banjo-Kazooie, I really couldn't remember any standout environments from those games. But, you know, you think about these, you know, wacky, crazy animated stages from Cuphead and imagine how that would look in Smash Brothers. It'd be like, oh, wow, that would look really, really awesome. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I didn't even think about that, but I think that would be almost half the fun. Yeah, I think so, too. And then, of course, you could, you know, alternate colors and and you could be Mughead as well. Yep, Mugman. Yep, that makes sense for alternate outfit. Yeah, so that would be kind of a fun novelty that you could also have in addition to the regular Cuphead. Maybe a black and white one that kind of is a throwback to Steamboat Willie. (laughs) Yeah, that would be cool too. Yeah, certainly an interesting choice there. Thanks, I guess. Well, my next pick would be the Luminary from Dragon Quest XI. Oh, wow. Yeah, now... Enix really doesn't have a representative in Smash Brothers yet. We do have Cloud, of course, from the Square side of Square Enix from Final Fantasy, but there really isn't very much as far as Dragon Quest goes. And it is a huge franchise. It might be the biggest franchise that's not represented in the game that is you know, at all associated with Nintendo. And it really should be in there. I mean, you could be like, okay, we could put in a slime... We could put in you know, some sort of uh, generic character like that. But with Dragon Quest Eleven coming out on Switch later this year, I think it would be very, very fitting to have the protagonist from that game appearing in Smash Brothers. Now, unfortunately, I haven't played that game, so I don't really have much of a vision of what it would be like. However, we know that Dragon Quest is all about swords and sorcery, so I can see this character wielding a blade as well as having you know many magic attacks based upon the classic spells of Dragon Quest games gone by. Yeah, I'm in just for the background music of the level. <laughs> you know, being able to play with some sweet Dragon Quest music going on in the background. Yeah, that would definitely be a great benefit. And Again, I don't know much about the environments in Dragon Quest XI, but just what I've seen, like that first city you explore and these beautiful pastoral landscapes, I'm sure they could do something really, really cool with the stage as well. Yeah, absolutely. I guess the one knock against the Luminary is how stingy Square Enix has been with Cloud, you know, barely putting in any music and not having any spirits in there. Uh. But, you know, I'm hoping that the Dragon Quest guys are maybe a little bit more flexible and they would allow all kinds of stuff to be in there. But I guess we're a long way from there. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think Enix would be awesome to be represented in Smash Brothers. You know, they are notably missing. You know, there's not been any uh, Dragon Warrior, Dragon Quest relations in that game. Well, there is like, you know, one spirit from uh, Dragon Quest Heroes Rocket Slime, I think. But yeah, it really deserves to have a lot more. So Yeah, absolutely. It'll be definitely cool to see. Anyway, Pete, what's next for you? All right, well, this one's a little bit more unorthodox, but you know what? 
a game just came out with him in it on Switch. Hmm. And, you know, Ken and Ryu both make an appearance. So, you know what? I'm going for Sub-Zero from Mortal Kombat. Ah, okay. <laughs> you know, Interesting. I was wondering where you were going with that one. Well, it, it just got me thinking. It's like Sub-Zero has been this, you know, pretty iconic character. He has, like, some pretty cool abilities. He has the ability to freeze people and, you know, do some crazy fatalities. Now, I don't know, realistically, if that would ever happen, because obviously, you know, you don't want to see Kirby's spine getting ripped out. <laughs> Does he even have a spine? If he even has a spine. Yeah, no, no one knows. But I just think the sort of implications of putting a Mortal Kombat character in Smash Brothers, just, I don't know, there's something about it that's kind of, to me, the closest we'll ever get to, like, a Mortal Kombat versus Street Fighter. Yeah, I was just thinking about that as you were saying this. Yeah, I mean, obviously, they could put him in the game without implementing fatalities. That would obviously <laughs> be easy to do. He would probably still be causing all kinds of carnage, especially with whatever his final smash would be. But, uh, you know, they can do all that without all of the uh, gratuitous blood and gore. You know, I think some of those final smashes are just brutal as is i mean i think you look at simon belmont's not that it's like gory but the fact that like it's super elaborate he throws you in a coffin and like spins you around it's like yeah i mean i think if a parent's okay with that then they're probably okay with you know some sort of destruction of one's skeleton (laughs) i don't know well also you think about joker's final smash and i'm under the impression that Originally, when you would see the animation, you would see like blood spurting out in the silhouette, but now it's all just sparkles and stuff. So if they can do that for Joker, why not do it for Sub-Zero? I mean, I think it'd be pretty hilarious seeing him attack someone and sparkles popping out, but uh, <laughs> I'm willing to give it a go. Yeah, maybe he just has babalities or animalities or any of those <laughs> Perhaps. that they added in the later series. Now, I'll be honest, when Mortal Kombat comes to mind, for me, the first character would have been Scorpion, not Sub-Zero. Yeah, I thought about it, but I just I can't imagine the uh, the spear being so useful in Smash Brothers. But maybe it is. Yeah, it would definitely be interesting to see. At any rate, you can imagine if either of those ninjas made it in there, they would then have you know the whole Rainbow Ninja palette swap thing going on, <laughs> and uh, they'd all be sort of represented one way or another. Yeah, who knows? Maybe uh, isn't there one? I, I forget now. I think there's one ninja that like uses all their moves or something. <laughs> it might be. So perhaps yeah, that... it's hard for me to remember. And, you know, if they did put a Mortal Kombat character in, I think you would definitely have to have a pit stage, you know, going back to you know original Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat 2. Obviously, you wouldn't be uppercutting anybody into a pit of spikes, <laughs> but I feel like that is the, by far, most iconic Mortal Kombat environment. And I think you'd have to incorporate that into a Smash Brothers stage. Simple, but I think it would still be really cool. Totally. Either that or the uh, slime pit from Mortal Kombat 2. Ah, uh, right. Now, I know that's that one was out there. Chris, you got something that's a little more realistic? No, no. All of my choices are pretty far out there, too. <laughs> In fact, my next one you know, feels along those same lines. It's also a character who's known for being more realistic and also known for having a lot of adventures on other platforms. However, in this case, I'm going with Lara Croft. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, that kind of fits the bill of uh, you know classic video game characters. Yeah, I mean, she is certainly one of the most iconic video game characters out there that is not in Super Smash Brothers. And even though she has a very spotty history on Nintendo systems, you know, as we've proven, that really doesn't make a difference. But, you know, she is a very well-known, recognizable character, and she has a lot of cool moves that would probably lend themselves very well 
to smash. She wields a crossbow. She does have other more traditional firearms. She's also got like grappling hooks and a climbing axe. I can see her, you know, using that climbing axe as more of a combat tool in this game, um, but also maybe using it to, you know, climb walls or something like that as some sort of maneuverability option. It could be very, very interesting. Yeah, I could definitely see it. This game literally has Pac-Man and Solid Snake in it. Like, <laughs> there's really no reason it couldn't have Laura Croft. And yeah, and yeah, I feel like she is more than deserving of being in this game amongst her peers. Yeah, totally. I mean, again, we run into the problem of it is now owned by Square Enix. And <laughs> it seems like they aren't really giving up lots of stuff for this game. But regardless of that, I think it would be really cool. And also, I do think there could be some very, very cool stuff going on with her background. Like, you know, I imagine some sort of you know, lush jungle environment, maybe, or maybe there would be some sort of ancient ruins like down below and then a village up above. You know, I see like you know, some bridges going over tropical waterfalls and stuff. And, you know, of course, those would collapse and all that jazz. But there could be some really, really cool stages uh, coming from her as well. Now, of course, you know, if she appears in Smash, she would also have an amiibo. Amiibo! Ah, yes. Yes, indeed. As would they all. <laughs> right. But it would be pretty interesting to see a Laura Croft amiibo just from a, like a, I never thought this would ever happen standpoint. Well, I didn't think we'd ever get one of Cloud or of Solid Snake either. Yet here we are. <laughs> but yeah, it'd be pretty awesome. Now, I kind of want to see a Kirby Laura Croft. <laughs> Oh my, that'd be very interesting in a lot of ways. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll let you just think on that one. Okay, I'll do that tonight <laughs> in my dreams. Uh, don't be creepy. <laughs> so what's next for you? Okay, this one is also a little bit out there, but you know, okay. I think that Microsoft's been a little bit more flexible with their properties lately. Well, we've already gone through two Microsoft picks with Banjo-Kazooie and Cuphead, so... Uh... Who knows? Well, I figure let's go all the way in and go Master Chief huh. in uh, Smash Brothers. That would certainly be a crazy choice that would make people lose their minds. <laughs> I mean, I really, really think between all his, you know, artillery and like blade swords and heck, he could even bring the Warthog in for a final smash. <laughs> Just being able to have this sort of like iconic Master Chief. Even his level, you can already imagine it, right? There's a big ring in the back. Not really. I'm not that big of a Halo fan. I don't really know much about those games. Oh. So. Well, I don't know. I just think that would be a really cool, surprising, and like, hey, look, Sony, we're, we're Nintendo and Microsoft are getting along. Uh, you should be worried. Would be a sweet way to announce it at like E3 this year. Maybe. I mean, like I said, if those two partner up, I really think the one that needs to go in is Banjo-Kazooie because there is such a history there. But uh, yeah, like I said, people probably go nuts for this. Yeah, yeah. I, I could definitely see a scenario where that happens. Hmm. I think. What do you got? Well, for my last choice, I am going with Dante from Devil May Cry. Oh, yeah. Nah, no kidding. That would make sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, another very iconic character. One who has gone through a lot of adventures not really one with a presence on a Nintendo system, but again, if Joker's out there, anything is possible. <laughs> and of course, he's got his swords and he's got his guns. He's very, very stylish. I mean, in a way, maybe it's too similar to Joker in that they're both too cool for school, but... You know, he has lots of great special attacks from his games. I would expect lots of juggles. And then, of course, you'd be able to trigger the devil trigger for his final smash. That would just make too much sense. 
Now, the problem with this one is that one of the developers has gone on record and has kind of implied, oh, there's no chance of Dante being in there. But who knows? Maybe that's just a smokescreen. Maybe he's going like, oh, no, that would never happen because Dante hasn't been on Nintendo systems before, which he has, by the way. He's definitely been, at least in some of those uh, crossover games, Project uh, X Zone. He has been on Nintendo. But that aside, you know, he could just be, you know, putting up smoke and mirrors to make us think, oh, Dante will never be in there. Who knows? Anyway, yeah, great character. Lots of attacks that would make him perfect for a fighting game like this. I think Dante is, you know, another character that would just be a lot of fun to play as. And he could finally fulfill probably his lifelong ambition of beating up Bayonetta. <laughs> now, I'm not super familiar with Dante, but uh, I think if that's what it takes to get a Devil May Cry on Switch, I'd be excited about that. Well, it's no guarantee of that, but uh, he's just a very cool character on his own, I would say. Maybe we'll get Devil May Cry Scramble. <laughs> perhaps so <laughs> can't say i'd be especially excited about that but uh, you never know you never know okay so what is your final choice well my final choice actually comes from the nintendo library itself okay it's a character that... i think that's fair i think that there probably are nintendo properties that have not been represented in the game yet but still deserve to be yeah and i think there's a character in my opinion that's been long overdue He's made several appearances here and there in the Smash Brothers series. However, he's never actually been a playable character. Okay. And that is none other than Toad slash Captain Toad. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Certainly a fine choice and one that I have been thinking should be in Smash Brothers one way or another. Yeah. And, you know, I originally I always just wanted Toad. But now that Captain Toad's kind of taken off, I kind of think I'm leaning more towards a Captain Toad idea. You know, well, either one's fine with me. I imagine that you'd be able to do an outfit swap. And so they'll both get representation. But uh, yeah, one way or the other. Yeah, that's right. You know, I have no idea what his moveset would be because I've not really seen Toad do anything besides just kind of hang out. And maybe... <laughs> well, I can throw vegetables. And maybe, huh? That's true. And maybe that's why he hasn't been in a Smash Brothers game. But uh, yeah, at the very least... He Captain could, Toad's got a pickaxe. He could, I, think, I think he could do some stuff. Yeah, that's true. At the very least, he could pick up turnips and uh, throw them as well as, you know, pickaxe to the head. <laughs> and then maybe he does some sort of weird cartwheel jump thing. And maybe he just tells everybody that they're in the wrong castle. <laughs> as long as his uh, his voice is in there, that's all I need. <laughs> his little squeal. Okay. I knew we were going to do that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I also wonder if they would choose to include him as a DLC character that you have to pay money for. But, you know, obviously, without question, I do think he is a worthy character and should be playable in Smash Brothers one way or another. So personally, I'd love to see it. Yeah, I, I definitely think you're right. It is probably an odd choice for him to be something you have to pay money for, but I'd love to see Toad nonetheless, and this kind of feels like his last hurrah. Agreed. <laughs> All right, so there we go. Those are our final four choices for who would be worthy inclusions in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. You know, obviously a lot of these are long shots, but again, I don't really think that anything that we've talked about is completely out of the question. So, you know, who really knows? It's hard to say. Yeah. It's hard to say. And I've got to say, I'm pretty surprised that we haven't actually found out who these other four characters are yet. So um, I imagine... Well, I wouldn't expect to know all of them yet, but I would have thought they would have announced at least another one by now. Like we were saying last week, now that Joker's out, you'd think they'd be talking about at least what's next down the pipeline. Right. But who knows? Yeah, who knows? Maybe they're waiting for E3 to reveal the next one or two or three or four. <laughs> yeah, if we don't know something by then, I'll be very, very surprised. I mean, you know, personally, if I were just pulling out characters that I wanted to see, I would probably do something like, uh, you know, Shantae and the Amazon and Professor Layton 
and Mike Hagar and get all those in Smash Brothers <laughs> and get Amiibo of all those and I'll be one happy camper. But as far as something that I think could actually be out there and be sold and you know make people go nuts and want to buy this DLC, yeah, I think that we have put together some pretty solid lists here. Agreed. All right. And with that said, I think it brings this week's big topic to a close, and it is time to wrap up this week's episode of the podcast. However, before we go, we do have time for one more thing, and that is naturally a dramatic reading. Oh, goody. This time is the eShop description of the recently released Switch game, Panty Party. Warning. No hentai contents in this game. All you get is funny and stupid panties. I have to find the warrior of love. The warrior of love? Yes, it is you. The one who loves panties. The warrior of love. Dashing on the street, warriors of love, along with panties, to save humans from the evil intention and to save themselves from being transformed into panties. Fight in a funny comedy full of panties, love, and passion, with fierce battles between panties. Dash and dodge in high-speed battles with panties. Panty Party is a fast-paced battle game. Fly as a panty in the street and in between buildings. Search for the enemy panties and kick their bad. Features. Feel emotions of foolishness and excitement with Panty Party. Energetic dancing music. It is the melody of panties and the theme song of only Nintendo Switch. Every color imaginable, it is the color of panties. A story of nonsense and fools brought to you by panties and the warrior of love. The sentimental thoughts of panties, which you can only experience in Panty Party. Hyper-exciting battling, multiple backgrounds in the city, and a full collection of unique panties. Up to four prayers and add hidden unit. All panties have unique skills and the passion skill to make them even stronger. Wow. I don't even know where to begin with this one. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think they knew what they were doing when they wrote that. (laughs) I don't think they did, but maybe... (laughs) Well, they certainly had the audience in mind. I have no doubt about that. It almost makes you think they're trying to like get SEO traction with Nintendo and panties. You're definitely going to land <laughs> on this page because they've got panties. Probably. Perhaps so. I don't believe I've ever said the word panties so much in my life as in that dramatic reading. I mean, there's like 30 instances of panties in that. <laughs> and I don't know if you've you know looked at anything about this game, but it's a third-person shooter, but instead of playing as like, you know, a human or a warrior or anything. Yes, you play as a pair of panties. It's completely <laughs> ridiculous. And obviously ridiculous by intention, I would say. For sure. I mean, with a name like that, it pretty much speaks for itself. I mean, the things that stand out in my mind, the every color imaginable, it is the color of panties. And then up to four prayers? I'm pretty I sure I think that's... that one was supposed to be players. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that was a typo, right? I think so. I think so. But uh, I guess we'll download it and find out. Maybe there are prayers. I don't know. The fact that the main line is warning, no hentai <laughs> contents in this game. All you get is funny and stupid panties. It does kind of tip their hat that they know what they're doing, but I don't know. Yeah, believe it or not, this game is only rated T for teen. Does it have Nintendo seal of quality? 
Uh, strangely, I don't think they do that anymore. <laughs> I think you're right. Anyhow, that does it for this week. As always, you can find us at powerpros.podbean.com, and you can follow us at powerprospod on both Facebook and Twitter. You can follow me, The Hoff, on Twitter at ChrisTheHoff, and you can find Pete at BurlyRedYeti. You can email us at powerprospod at gmail.com, and if you like the podcast, it would be great if you told your friends about us. Thanks for listening, everybody. For myself, Pete Mashad, Panties, and our good friend, Ulbrick the Knight, it ends here. We will see you next time. Panties. Panties. Panties.